I'd like to direct your attention, if you would please, to the book of Psalms. Again, Brother, Brother Eddie has already read the passage of Scripture. There's another passage of Scripture that's very dear to me as I think about Brother Colson, and that is found in James chapter 3, verse 17. Who is a wise man and due to knowledge, let him show it of his good conversations, work with meekness of wisdom, and then it goes down to say that a wise man is someone in the, in the Lord's wisdom that's from above is first pure. I thank God that he lived his life a pure man. Pure motives, pure morals. Number two, it's peaceable. He brought peace. He was a man of calmness. He was a man that uh, brought uh, help instead of drama. He brought encouragement instead of discouragement. He infused help instead of drained those around him. It's first pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle. He's a gentle giant. Someone, I think the brother Eddie said he was very firm, and he certainly was. But he also uh, was very gentle, gracious, kind. Easy to be entreated. The common man was around him gladly was not uh, a respecter of persons, whether it was wealthy or a bus child. I listened to a bus child say that whenever their mother was sick, his bus ca- the bus captain came and Brother Colston came. Not all the 4 o'clock morning trips up to a surgery were for the upper echelon. They were oftentimes for the down and out. And what a great testimony. Then there's someone who is full of mercy, full of good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. You know, D.L. Moody said every man ought to live so that everyone knows he's a Christian, especially those within his own house. And you heard from Jeff tonight that he was the same at home as he was at the church. The Bible tells us, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Nothing aggravates a child, frustrates a child, causes them to be more angry than to see hypocrisy in parents, hypocrisy in leaders, and they did not see that. And I think that's a great testimony. But as I thought about um, Brother Colston, and I uh, thought about his life, I think we can go to the passage of Scripture, Psalm 37, verse number 23. A couple things I want to share with you from this passage and a few thoughts, and we'll be dismissed this evening. Verse 23, the Bible says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. I'm grateful for the steps, and we'll talk about that in a moment. And that they're ordered, they're established, they're prepared by the Lord, and God delights in the way of a man or a woman who lives righteously. That's what good means. Though he fall, he shall not utterly be cast down. The Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Just like a a mom or dad has a child that on the precipice of falling down, they they hold them off a cliff. They, they, They hold them close. They don't let them fall. God is that kind of a God. Verse number 25. I've been young and I'm now old. Remember seeing Brother... Colston, when I was 18, I came here to go to college years ago, and I saw him through the eyes of an 18, 19, 20, 21, 22-year-old young man. And he's been old that whole time. He's, he was born old, as far as I'm concerned. 
He says, I've been, I've been young and now old, not seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. The Bible tells us in verse number 26, he is ever merciful. The righteous man is ever merciful. He lendeth. His seed is blessed. That is the information. The application is verse number 27. Would you read it for me? Based upon the example of such a good man, here's the admonition. Would you read it with me? Depart from evil and do good. God challenges us there to depart from evil, do good, and then dwell forevermore, live in an everlasting, significant life. One thing that I, I don't remember hearing Brother Colston preach one message. But his life was very loud. His life was the sermon that all of us got to see. And I'm so thankful for that. So thankful for his consistency. He was in the, in the, in the trenches, helping people, loving people, behind the scenes oftentimes. But I think about those steps of a good man. Here's a couple things that come to my mind. I think one of the steps of a good man is that he stays low, humble, humility. And a man advised me one time, he said, John, stay low and go slow. No one ever fell off the floor. <laughs> I'm thankful for the humility of Brother Colston and how that God gives grace unto the humble. His life was, was touched by grace because he touched heaven with humility. I think also laugh. It was low, but he was someone that we've already heard enjoyed a good laugh. Had the joy to be in his home on numerous occasions in the last seven years. As every time I went, it was always welcome to go. And I'd always see Oreos. He liked Oreos, I think. If you didn't see him on the table, you saw him on the corner of his mouth right there. And uh, we would have a good time, but he was always making something funny. Had many people have contacted me and told me that uh, one of their treasured memories was on Monday nights, I guess Mrs. Colson would practice with the teen groups. And the teen boys were really not interested in practicing, but uh, it was part of their responsibilities. They would come, and while one team was practicing, and the other people would be down in the basement watching Monday night football with Brother Colston. And he would be saying, Elaine, you're way too loud up there. <laughs> you got to pipe down up there. He would be joking around or he'd go out and throw football or shoot the basketball with the guys as they came to practice. Uh, we've had the opportunity, several people have said, you know, I, I, I will always miss how you and uh, Brother Johnny would go back and forth on the platform. And so fun to enjoy his humor. He was a man whose steps were marked by humility, lowliness, was marked by laugh, enjoyable. I think uh, also a, a, a man marked by labor, hard work. When he was 12 years old, he had a paper route that delivered 60 to 90 papers every morning. It was someone that work was just what he needed to do. And people, hardworking people always blessed those around. And work is not a labor, it's not a bad, it's a four-letter word, but it's not a bad word. It's the, God gave Adam a work to do. And I think it's beautiful to see a man who will work hard. I think it's equally beautiful to find a man who will gladly work hard. And whether it be in a factory or Lake County or here at First Baptist Church, 
You work hard where you are, you work hard where God puts you as well. His life is marked by lowliness, by laughter, by labor. And as the blessing of going to a hospital room or preparing for a funeral, preparing for a wedding, uh, baptizing hundreds and thousands of people and putting the waiters on again, taking them off again, day after day, week after week, Sunday after Sunday. What a beautiful testimony of diligence and hard work. He was a self-starter. He was an early riser, someone that did not have to be prodded. He saw the need. He took the lead. His life is a sermon that is being preached tonight, and he's been preached for, for 86 years. But in our eyes, we can see the lowliness, the laughter, the labor. We can also see the loyalty. Brother Howells called him loyalty personified. Someone who personified a loyal person. If you can't do anything else, you ought to be loyal. I have had that experience over the last seven years. I am, his name is Johnny. I'm Johnny come lately. And yet, he loved me as his pastor. Not because of who I am, but the position necessarily I had. And he transferred that loyalty to Brother Scott before me, to Brother Hiles before him. When he would visit people, he would say, I'm here in preacher's stead. Pastor, a preacher can't be with you, so I wanted to come. He didn't have to say that. He could have endeared himself to himself, others to himself, but he endeared them and gave appreciation to his pastor. Hundreds of people can testify to that, just like our Brother Roy Moffat does today. And I miss Brother Roy, Miss Jojo. They would love to be here, not able to be here. Elton Mock and Miss Barb, I certainly miss them. And, of course, Brother Wayne Schaefer is sitting in representing the deacons of our church while uh, he could not be with us. He was loyal, per, loyalty personified. I think the uh, next thing that comes to my mind is that he was a man who, who loved. He loved the Lord. He loved his wife. Just, just think of that conversation. I could tell, I didn't know for sure if he had talked to Miss Elaine when he was so sick. I could tell his voice was weakened. I said, have you talked to your wife? He said, yes. I said, how is she? She's wonderful. That was his opinion. He loved her dearly. What a great testimony. If you're a husband, why don't you take example that, of that life in shoes and, and love your wife and uh, do what you can. I, how many times I've heard people say, I wish I could have loved a little more. Whenever... We found out that Brother Colston went to heaven. I was talking to Mrs. Colston. She said something I hope I never forget. She said that uh, I'd rather be the widow and to be loved by Johnny Colston than to be the wife of any other person or other man in the world. It's a beautiful testimony of someone who knew what it's like to have the security of a husband who loved her. The kids knew. That he loved them. He did not mince words when it came to his family. You could see it very quickly that he loved them dearly. He loved his pastors. He loved his parents. 
young people, I think one of the most beautiful things that I learned about him is that he had a great love and respect for his parents. If you can't love your mom and dad, you're going to have a hard time loving your wife, loving your kids. If you can't do that, but I think that's some of the most beautiful things in his more in his early years. He learned to love his own mom and dad. Don't go in your door and don't room and slam the door. Don't say hurtful things to your parents. Don't smart off to them. Those things are going to carry on. One of the things we love about Brother Johnny and why his life was so blessed is because of his love. He loved First Baptist Church. And then he loved you, whoever you were. And uh, I, I love a man who is, you know, a church, we, this church started 134 years ago. In 134 years, we've had some good years and some bad years. And if you live that long, you'll have the same testimony. Thank God for a man who loved his church. And as I think about what he said on the video in his own words, I came to a place that, uh, that I, I didn't know could be so good. And he knew the good, the bad, the ugly. You know, you can't love God and not love his church. It's like saying, I love your body, I just don't love your, I don't, I love your head, I don't love your body. Jesus is the head of the church. God gave us the Bible. He gave us his spirit, and he gave us his church. And you find a Christian who doesn't value the church, you'll find someone who's lost and lonely in their moorings and their heart for God. God put it, he's baked everything we need to know in our life in the ingredient of a local church. Brother Johnny understood that. His steps were steps of lowliness and laughter. Steps of, of labor and love and loyalty. And then I think his step was that of longevity. He made an impact. Someone asked him, what do you think the greatest aspect of the Christian life is? And he says, being what you're supposed to be and doing what you're supposed to do. Doing the right thing the right way for the right reason for a long time. And I want to encourage you tonight, as we think about the life and times of Johnny Colston, would you let his sermon preach to you? Would you let his life make an impact in your life? Because in just a few days, we'll all be who are saved where he is now. Glad we did or wish we would have. I don't think you'll find too many lives that were lived as strong as committed all the way to the end as you have seen in, in the life of Johnny Colston. And I am so glad to have known him. But it all starts with Jesus. And I, wanted, I don't want to close now without telling you about what that evangelist Carnes told him as a 12-year-old boy. Three years later, he would get his salvation settled because of the confusion of the Armenian doctrine and wonder if he could lose his salvation. He said, it was a good day when I got that figured out. But he was 12 years old. He was sitting in the service. The preacher was preaching a revival meeting at the Whitley Methodist Church. As he was preaching, Brother Colson began to get conviction about three things. Number one is sin. He knew that he was a sinner. Sinners can't go to heaven on their own righteousness. They must have the righteousness of Jesus. And that was the second thing he understood. Not only of his sin condition, but he understood that uh, 
that the righteousness of Jesus was what he needed. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man come to the Father but by me. And then Brother Colson knew one more thing. Not only his sin, the righteousness of Jesus, but of judgment to come. If you reject Jesus Christ, in just a, in just a few days, every one of us are going to leave this life by trauma, by disease, or by old age. It's going to be a sudden heart attack, it'll be a stroke, it'll be an aneurysm, it'll be a car accident, or it'll be a long fight with a long illness. Or you'll just get to the place where you can't continue on. And then you're going to enter into the presence of God if you're saved and without God if you're not. I oftentimes tell guardians of people that 100 years from today, all that's going to matter is where you live, with God in heaven or without him in hell. That day and that evening at that revival meeting, Brother Colson sat there, convicted about his sin, the righteousness he needed in Christ, and his judgment to come if he rejected Jesus. His friend, thank God for a friend, said, Johnny, you want to go forward? I don't know if he was trembling. I don't know if he was holding his pew. I don't know if he felt tears coming up into his eyes, but his friend said, you want to go? He said, Yes. And he slipped down and he went forward and someone took a Bible and showed him how to be saved. If you're here today, you're not for sure. If you died, you go to heaven. Don't go to hell from this auditorium. You're probably here because you, know, you knew Brother Colson or you heard him. I remember in my early days, I was a third grader. My mom and dad came to First Baptist Church of Hammond for a pastor school in 1976. It was called Don't Quit. After that, my dad signed up and he started getting cassette tapes sent to our home. And we would sit at night and we would listen to these, this Brother Hiles, this Texas tornado. But before he would preach, we'd hear a man read the scripture. I didn't know what he looked like until I came to, came to college here. But I'm glad that he put his faith in Jesus Christ. Have you done that? If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you're listening by way of the radio or you're watching by live stream, have you already put your faith in Jesus Christ? If you have not, let me encourage you to do that. Don't leave this life. You can leave this room without Jesus, but don't leave life without him. And then those of us who've accepted the Lord, may we continue and say, Lord, with your help, help me to be lowly. Help me to enjoy life and serve God gladly. Help me to be loyal and laboring and loving and, and help me to do it for the rest of my life. May God help us to do that.